0: Audiologist. A Phonak podcast.
1: Welcome to the Audiologist, a podcast series created by Phonak to offer audiologists and other healthcare professionals new perspectives on hearing health topics. At the microphone is Jennifer Appleton Huber. I work as Manager Scientific Audiology and Education at Phonak International Headquarters in Switzerland. So to start off, I'd like you, the listener, to think about your clients with hearing loss. Do many of them have physical health conditions? So maybe think about when you pick them up from the waiting room. Do some of them have difficulty walking into the clinic room or difficulty sitting down or standing up again? And then how about if you take the client history? Maybe they mention they have heart conditions or diabetes. So I definitely remember a lot of my clients did have physical health problems. And to be honest, I just thought it was part of the natural aging process. I certainly didn't think there was a connection between hearing loss and these physical health problems. But we actually now have a lot of evidence to show that hearing loss and physical health conditions are actually connected. So many of you may know, we at Phonak are advocates for well-hearing as well-being. So because of this, we commissioned a peer-reviewed publication, which has very recently been published in the prestigious journal Age and Aging. The seven authors are from a range of backgrounds, so there's audiologists, academics and researchers. The article outlines the growing evidence, which shows the connection between hearing loss and physical health conditions. Then it goes on to give guidance to hearing care professionals like you as to how you can help to minimise the impact that hearing loss and physical health conditions have on each other. So you can find a link to this publication on the Evidence Library on our website, phonock.com. But before you visit the website, keep on listening and welcome with me today two of these authors of this brand new guidance, Emily Uri and David Maidmont. So Emily Works as a Senior Manager, Digital Health Innovation for Sonova in Switzerland. And David is a Senior Lecturer in Psychology at Loughborough University, UK. Welcome, Emily and David. First question. So now that you've completed your work on this guidance, what have you yourself learned from the guidelines to improve your physical well-being? So
2: the most salient point for me is the importance of physical activity for promoting overall health and well-being. And this includes improving health problems that are often linked to hearing loss.
0: Yeah, great question. I think for me, it's really recognising that our health is kind of all all in one, all together. So what I would refer to as holistic, we often kind of treat or manage different conditions on their own. And we really need to start beginning to appreciate, like you said, Jennifer, how these are all linked together and actually how we should be managing them um, together and not just in isolation. Really, we need to recognize and identify that there are lots of different factors that we can control, that we can manage to help us to stay physically and mentally active.
1: Yeah, that's that's reassuring to know that we can have an influence on either our physical well-being and to a certain extent, maybe also on our hearing loss.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think what you were saying, Jennifer, about people coming into the the clinic being older, we just assume that these things are just a natural part of aging. Yeah. And for me, part of this kind of paper is recognizing that irrespective of age, you know, it's not just inevitable. We can actually do something about it.
1: So from reading the paper, we know that hearing loss is associated with a range of negative health conditions, including increased odds of falling and poorer cardiovascular health. In the paper, you mentioned that there are three theories as to how hearing loss could have an effect on physical function. David, maybe you could explain what these theories are.
0: Yeah, there are three key theories, but they're not the only ones. I think they're the ones that are probably most talked about in the literature. And I will say as a disclaimer that I don't advocate one or, or, you know, any of these theories, you know, it's probably likely that these explanations are a combination that try and explain this link between hearing and, uh, and physical health. So one of the first key theories is what we would refer to as the cognitive reserve hypothesis. So when we're thinking about cognition, which I teach my undergraduate students uh, at Loughborough University is the things like the mental processes that we use day to day. So these could be things like memory, uh, language processing, even problem solving, reasoning reasoning and so on and what this suggests is that we all have a capacity or a limit to our our mental abilities our cognition and it's suggesting that in hearing loss what happens here is that because individuals are trying to process sounds that are degraded in some way that obviously adds to their kind of their mental abilities or limits their mental abilities rather
1: mm-hmm.
0: so they therefore have fewer resources available for these other functions or other processes that that they need to need to use day to day and this means that because they have they have these fewer resources it obviously limits those abilities and those abilities are also necessary for perhaps physical functions such as you know maintaining our posture postural control and, and our balance and so forth. So it's just, that's kind of where the cognitive reserve hypothesis comes in. Um, there are others, and like I said, they're probably linked or there, there is probably a combination of these things, but there's another which we refer to as the social cascade hypothesis. So this suggests that the communication difficulties individuals with hearing loss experience often lead to things like social isolation, social withdrawal, loneliness and depression. Those factors have been shown to have an impact on individuals leading to poorer physical function. so it's it's suggested that they kind of mediate or they influence that relationship and then the third one rather is uh, related to the vestibular system and this suggests that kind of hearing loss may act as kind of a proxy or an indirect measure of accompanying vestibular loss uh, and that leads to greater you know dysfunction in, in physical physical abilities so it leads to imbalance and falls and so on.
1: Would you say that's probably linked to, to hair cell damage then? I mean, I'm just thinking about when someone gets hearing loss and it's linked to, to hair cell damage, the hair cells are also in the vestibular system, in the semicircular canals. So probably if the hair cells in the cochlea are being damaged, probably they're also damaged in the semicircular canals. Is that is that right?
0: Potentially, yeah. I mean, what I would say is that it's probably... A combination of these things that are all interrelated, or yeah. whether that's part part of aging, as you were as you were saying, as getting older, or, or other modifiable factors such as our, our healthy lifestyle that lead to some of these uh, kind of mediating factors. Yes, certainly, I think it's all kind of interrelated and uh, and important for us to recognise.
1: And Emily, uh, I also read in the article that. Physical health conditions, such as heart conditions, could make hearing loss worse or maybe accelerate what we know as presbyacusis or old age hearing loss. Could you explain this a bit more, please? Yes, of course. So hearing loss is
2: also linked with uh, cardiovascular diseases and their risk factors. So for example, diabetes, high blood pressure and also smoking. Now, the scientific research tells us that these links are probably due to damage to the small blood vessels in the inner ear since the cochlea is very metabolically active and relies on very strong blood circulation for optimal functioning. Mm -hmm. And indeed, these cardiovascular risk factors such as smoking and diabetes are all associated with inflammation and oxidative stress. And these may also directly damage the cochlea. So since the damage caused by poor cardiovascular and poor metabolic health occurs gradually over time, this negative impact accumulates gradually with age. And so it may actually accelerate the age-related hearing loss.
1: Yeah, it's fascinating. It's not something that I as an audiologist had really considered that heart problems could potentially make hearing loss worse but when you explain it like that so the cochlea receives less nutrients and this can then lead to hair cell damage it, it makes so much more sense to me yeah it's a really interesting topic so i also read in your paper that there is some good news that hearing care professionals can play a vital role in enhancing physical well-being of their clients so how can they do that
2: Okay, so a core recommendation is to encourage regular physical activity, because it mitigates many of the health problems that coexist with hearing impairment. So for example, it enhances our cardiovascular health, our mental health, cognitive health, and also our overall well-being. And moreover, something that is particularly relevant to older adults is that regular physical activity helps prevent falls and falls-related injuries, as well as declines in functional ability. So, we recommend that audiologists encourage all clients to move their body on a regular basis, and in particular, to meet the recommendations of the World Health Organization that all adults should do at least 150 minutes or two and a half hours of moderate intensity activity each week in order to achieve these health benefits.
1: Yeah, I remember hearing this uh, recommendation from the World Health Organization before. Um, What does this mean though in reality? Can you give us some examples, Emily? Sure, of course. So, um,
2: During moderate intensity exercise, you're working hard enough to raise your heart rate, but importantly, you are still able to talk, but not able to sing. Okay. So you can, if you imagine you were like going for like a walk with somebody, you're walking quite briskly, you can still actually talk to the person. If you started running, then you probably wouldn't necessarily. So it's still being able to like maintain that conversation. Um, some specific examples of like moderate intensity activities are brisk walking, which I think many of us can do quite easily. Also um, also gardening, swimming, cycling, um, really any type of body movement that raises your heart rate like this counts. So just to give like yeah some specific examples of like how a week could look, mm-hmm. um, clients could, for example, take at least five, 30 minutes, Brisk walks each week. Or they could mix things up a bit and say, do three um, 30 minute brisk walks, some gardening, and some swimming. And then they would hit the recommendations.
1: Yeah, makes sense. And I guess it makes sense to really choose things that are, that that client is interested in that are going to fit into their lifestyle, right?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, people should always choose things that they enjoy and that fit into their day-to-day life and and it could even be cleaning you know doing like vacuum cleaning um it really can build up your heart rate so that also counts
1: and what about those clients who are unable to do this much exercise so maybe they have some kind of physical difficulties that mean they can't do these type of things
2: okay so here don't worry um doing just some physical activity still has benefits to health so clients should just do what they can
1: and do you have any other tips? So, anything else that might help to to motivate clients to keep this kind of physical um, activity up?
2: Absolutely. So, some clients might benefit from using technology, such as step counters, to support them in moving their bodies more. For example, Phonak's Audéo Lumity, when used in conjunction with the My Phonak app, allows physical activity tracking as well as the option to set step count goals. Now, importantly, we know from the scientific literature that tracking steps and setting specific daily activity goals can indeed motivate individuals to increase their daily movement.
1: So we know then that we should be encouraging our clients to increase their physical activity because this could potentially lead to better heart health and should hopefully in turn reduce negative impact of hearing. David, I think there were some more recommendations to hearing care professionals in the article, is that right?
0: Yeah, we had a few recommendations um, that we really wanted to get across to colleagues in this area. So one of the key recommendations that, that we highlighted was how I mentioned at the start about looking at health in, as a whole, rather than as separate health conditions and looking at how they, they could be interrelated. And I appreciate that, you know, as I explained earlier, the, the associations and how they're all linked is really complicated. And it's likely that there's all this mixture of, uh, of explanations. But what we really advocated in, in the paper is how essential it is for clinicians from multiple disciplines to, to work together. And to collaborate is kind of what we're, what we kind of uh, recommended. And we know that's not easy. We know that there have been attempts to do that in the past. And we know that there are difficulties in in doing that. But what we feel is really important is that. That care needs to be coordinated, holistic, and yeah. uh, and patient-centered. So, really, what we suggest is the sharing of information, so the coordination of different teams, sharing information, and, and that's really core to this act of interprofessional practice. And like I said, this really aimed to provide more integrated, patient-centered care to clients, to patients. What's really interesting is that this concept isn't necessarily new, but the World Health Organization in 2019, so fairly recently, published some gu- guidance on integrated care for older people, or ICOPE. Who doesn't love a good acronym? And I thought that was quite <laughs> a, good, a good acronym. So ICOPE. This approach, the ICOPE approach, really proposes that that care for for older people specifically should be based on this multi-step process and um, i think there are three or four processes uh, or steps in in total so the first one is that for interdisciplinary teams to first assess individual needs so jennifer you gave a really great example at the start when you said as a clinical audiologist you had you know, individuals come in, into your practice and you recognise that in addition to their hearing loss, they might have had other, other difficulties or that you just thought, oh, that's just natural part of ageing. And this first approach is assessing all of those needs which you were doing, identifying their preferences, goals, which I know audiologists already do, and also identifying declines in what the World Health Organisation refers to as key intrinsic capacities. And this just means things like vision, hearing, which I know we're all really passionate about, cognition or mental processes, psychological or mental well-being, uh, and our physical health. So the World Health Organization is suggesting that all of these things are kind of important to identify and recognise. And then after we've identified that, we've recognised an individual's goal. So Emily was talking about improving physical activity, for instance. So we might identify that there are particular individuals who aren't able to be physically active for 150 minutes, but we are, but we can recognise that maybe they can do shorter bouts of you know, exercise or even something seated can raise our heart rate, you know, doing resistance band training, doing some, some light weights. So then we develop a more personalised plan for those individuals. It could involve multiple interventions, simple interventions. So like we said, you could step count goals on a wearable device, including your hearing aids, or it could even be paper and pen diaries. It doesn't have to be that sophisticated. So that individuals can manage those different intrinsic capacities, and they can also monitor them as well to see what's changing because that's really important we know for our motivation and then it's really engaging and coordinating lots of different health healthcare teams so that they're driven by that single goal for that individual that patient-centered goal and then that's kind of delivered by what we would refer to as kind of primary and community-based teams Um, so it's kind of all working together as as one collective
1: Yeah. Perfect. And for this ICOPE approach, I know Emily mentioned to me that there's even an app. I think it's called the ICOPE Handbook app. I think that's right. And it can help healthcare workers to go through this three step process. I did download it to have a little look at it. I thought it was pretty, pretty useful.
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And it looks really great as well. You know, everything that we know is that's developed by the World Health Organization obviously has had a lot of patient input or individual input. So it's really usable and really straightforward to use. And there's a really interesting YouTube video as well that can take you through step by step.
1: And was there another recommendation that you had?
0: Yeah, so this is one that I'm really passionate about because I recognise that not everybody understands or appreciates the importance of of hearing loss and really the key driver for me in being involved in this paper was showing that hearing loss obviously is related to lots of different health factors. Often something that frustrates me uh, in my career, I've been working in hearing loss research now for nearly, a, well over a decade I think, it's scary to think. Time flies when you're having fun, yeah. I, I know. I think what happens is that people often just dismiss hearing loss as a natural part of, of aging and something that we shouldn't really be that bothered about. But we know that it has such a huge impact on an individual's quality of life and we know that it, it can be managed, And it, you know, and that an individual can benefit from from intervention. So one of our other recommendations uh, is educating healthcare workers about hearing loss and how it can be identified very straightforwardly, such as using screening apps. Or even, you know, screening tools um, that can easily be incorporated into to, to, into practice.
1: Yeah, and these days, it's um, screening apps are so widely available, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely, and something that was re- that really surprised me anecdotally is that my father-in-law and my mother-in-law both use hearing aids now. And the the general practitioner, when they went to, you know, in the UK, you go to your GP and you say, "Oh, you know, I think I'm having some hearing difficulties," and we know that they they can often be a barrier to then onward referral to audiology services. However, I was really impressed with my GP. We shared the same GP. We live close locally together Uh, and he used a screening app, um, which was amazing. So I was really impressed by that, Um, but I appreciate not everyone is is aware of those. So these screening apps have been around for a while um, and there's various, various good ones. And I think it's that need to educate and make people aware that they, they exist because you don't know what you don't know. Right? So one of our recommendations was educating in primary health, Care teams such as general practitioners, practice nurses, and so forth, and other healthcare professionals about the importance of, of hearing health and how to implement those screening tests to identify losses in, in hearing capacity.
1: So, maybe even hearing care professionals can demonstrate these kind of screening apps just to show healthcare professionals how easy it is to use them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know it's not an easy fix. You know, these individuals, particularly GPs, practice nurses have lots of limited time.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: You know, and and I can imagine, you know, them thinking, oh, this is another thing that I need to now add to my practice can be quite overwhelming. But what I would, I think what's really reassuring is that these are quick and easy. And you can just even tell your patient about it. They don't you don't even have to do it in that 5-10 minute appointment, you can just say, Oh, have you thought about using this, they can do it at home. And one of the amazing things is that often patients can self refer into audiology as well where it's available. So I don't think some patients know about that even, I just think there's a huge need to improve this awareness. And, to, uh, you know, educate sounds really formal, but it's just raising awareness, uh, raising awareness.
1: Trying to make things a little bit easier for the healthcare professionals as well.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So, Emily, do you have a closing message for our listeners? My
2: closing message would be to move your body every day by choosing enjoyable physical activities that fit into your daily life. Or if they're a bit boring, listen to some great music while you do them and also set realistic goals and maybe involve your friends and family to make it a bit more fun.
1: That's a really, really good recommendation. Thank you. I think I'll take that on as well. (laughs) And David, how about you? Do you have a closing message for our listeners?
0: I think enjoyment is key. You know, you have to love what you do. And that includes, you know, being physically active. I know from my own personal experience that being physically active is so beneficial, not just to our hearing health, as we've discussed today, but for your mental health, mental well-being, and I think if you can incorporate, like Emily was saying, that social element and that enjoyment element, that's that's really important too. So I think you know, even at doing it outside, I think you know when the weather's great, that's a that's a real benefit. So I think what my closing remark would be is to make it personal to you and find something that works for you because we're all different, and you'll and you will find it, but it just takes time.
1: Great. Well, thank you both so much for joining us today and thanks especially for your work in making this guideline a reality. All the resources that we discussed in today's podcast, including the demonstration video of the iCope app, are available in the podcast description. Goodbye and thanks for listening.
0: The Audiologist a Phonak podcast.